Welcome to the Steroids Podcast with your host, Dan the Bodybuilder from Thailand. Steroids Podcast is brought to you by Ultimate Guide to Roids, 109-page ebook by Dan the Bodybuilder from Thailand. Now, for the first time in bodybuilding history, you have someone with no corporate interests and no obligation to please anyone, not walking on eggshells to not offend. Ultimate Guide to Roids gives you the information, the whole information, the whole truth, not a full truth and a half truth. Full truth. Ultimate Guide to Roids gives you the keys to the Lamborghini, gives you the information, and lets you decide what to do with it. It's a crime this information has been suppressed this long. Now let's get on with the podcast. Here's an interesting one to start the day. Why do some bodybuilders, or a lot of bodybuilders, have a herniated belly button? Why do they have that thing where their belly button is sticking out or there's a lump where their belly button is? The answer to this is growth hormone use. So what happens when you start using growth hormone is that area in your stomach is sensitive to it in many people. Many people are genetically predisposed to this. And... That spot in your abdominal wall where your belly button is, when you were a fetus inside of your mother, there was a cord called your umbilical cord, and that is how you got your nutrition from your mom, and it's how you put your waist out back to your mom, and then she would filter, you know, she would filter your waist for you, because that's the way umbilical cords work. So... That was a hole in your abdominal wall. And your abdominal wall, when that umbilical cord was cut when you were born, then that hole, it closed up, okay? But it's always a weak spot in the the abdominal wall. It just is uh, because it was open at one time. It's not as strong as the other areas. So one thing that growth hormone does is when you use it, it makes your stomach distended because it slows down the rate at which food travels through your digestive system. So while you have the growth hormone in you, your belly sticks out more so than if you hadn't used it for a few days because growth hormone only lasts about 12 hours after an injection and then it's, it's out, it's gone. Um, and, and so the effects of growth hormone, they, they pretty much go away if you don't use it for a few days. And then also they come on very quickly, you know, after only, you know, 24 hours or so after the first injection, you know, 48 hours, 72 hours, something like that. After the first injection, you know, pharmaceutical grade growth hormone begins to, um, show itself. So anyways, uh, you know, I had an umbilical hernia, so I'll just tell you what happened with me. I mean, this is really common, you know, you see a lot of guys with the the little bump there. So, you know, I always had an innie belly button. My belly button was always an innie, a pretty deep innie. Uh, Because I remember one time, you know, like my sister teased me like, oh, that's a perfect belly button for a piercing or something. And I was like, no, it's not. Uh, And so I, once I started uh, using a little bit more testosterone, like a higher dosage. Uh, that was when I started to get bigger than uh, like, you know, pretty much most everyone, you know, who's not a bodybuilder, you know, just bigger than, you know, everybody at the gym for the most part, except for like other bodybuilders. Um, and at that same time, I also started um, using generic growth hormone. Uh, or a little bit after I started, after I increased the test, probably like, you know, so that I was always running between 700 milligrams per week to, you know, somewhere up to like 1,250 milligrams per week or so when I was doing my cycles. 
Um, cause before that I had been doing cycles, you know, where I'd use maybe like a CC or two CCs of testosterone per week, you know, so maybe 350 milligrams of testosterone per, per week or, you know, you know, 500 or 250 milligrams or something like that of testinanthate per week. That's what I had been doing before. So I upped the test, started growing a lot. And then I put in the generic growth hormone a couple months later. And that was when I started getting like a really quite significant strength gain. Like, like at that point, you know, I'd be doing my work sets uh, for the bench press with three plates and uh, doing, you know, um, squats, um, ass to the grass, um, also with, you know, three plates or more uh, for, you know, sets of 10, you know, working sets of 10. That was when my, my <clears throat> body really started to, to thicken up and get a lot stronger. But during this time, of, you know, very large gains for me, you know, where I went from, you know, being somebody who could probably before, before I upped the test and everything. And before I started going through this, this phase right here, where I was using the generic growth hormone, uh, which gave me sexual dysfunction, by the way, it made my dick a little bit smaller while I was using it. And then after I uh, discontinued, cause it was a prolactin thing. You know, so it had the same influences like trend. And uh, and then, you know, when I was like, I got off the that generic growth hormone, you know, my my dick went back to 100 percent normal size. Um, yeah. Uh, and so while I was going through this period of gains, uh, I was doing, you know, I was lifting heavier, you know, I was doing the you know, I was doing the deadlifts, you know, with, you know, more than, you know, four plates on each side and, you know, the squats going deep, you know, et cetera, doing the barbell rows with the, I think I was using like two and a half plates at the time, you know, for sets of 10 or something like that. So that was when I was using weights, you know, that they were, they were not anything like a natural, you know, it was when I went from this phase of being like, maybe I could be a fake natural to like, no, like, that's not the, uh, you know, because when you just go to a gym, that's not the kind of weights that you see, uh, you know, the people who are not, you know, like dead serious using. And, and, and I mean, dead serious as in either they're like a career weightlifter or they use steroids. One of the two. Um, so for the most part, there's always exceptions. I've always got to say that so that guys don't come in on the comments and start going, <laughs> you know, I like the comments. The The social part of this is my favorite part about doing the podcast and like doing like YouTube and everything like that. I like hearing from you guys. I like I like it when you comment. So feel free to drop in in the comments or something like that. If you're listening to this on a commentable platform and say hi. Because I like to hear from you guys. So anyways my strength increased a lot. And then all of a sudden I started noticing what the hell is going on with my belly button. Cause I'd always had this any belly button, right? A deep, any belly button. I started noticing that there was like this kind of like protrusion at the top. And I was like, what the hell is that? And I would like touch it and it would like go in. But then like I'd notice later in the day it would like come out again and I'd be like, what the fuck? And I'd like press it back in again. And then, and I didn't know like what the hell was going on. And, uh, cause, cause it started getting progressive. Like, and then I'd noticed like it was further out or it was out like all the time. Uh, this little like bump, it was like a little marble that that's like what it looked like. It was, it was like a, a half sphere. So like a half, like a dome, like a, like a half of a marble, um, right above the hole of my, you know, where the belly button goes in right above that there was this little spot like sticking out like this and I'm like, what the, what the hell? And so it's getting worse. And then like, eventually it's like out all the time. And you know, during this time too, I went from using generic growth hormone to pharmaceutical grade growth hormone. Um, and it definitely like kept on progressing on the pharmaceutical grade growth hormone. Um, but it was also because of heavy lifting, you know, like it was, it was because I was getting stronger. I was getting stronger in the gym, you know, lifting heavier weights. Um, and by the end that it, by the time that it got really, um, you know, significant and it was like the tip of a, of a little fucking like thumb sticking out, 
uh, above my belly button. You know, it's, it's your organs coming out. It's your intestines coming out, um, you know, coming out through that, uh, through that hole in your abdominal wall. So, I, you know, I'd always be pressing it back in. I'd always have my finger there. I'd always have my finger there, you know, pressing it back in. Do a set, press it back in. I'm like, what the hell? I've got this like hole in the integrity of my body, you know, of the structure of my body. So that was really bothering me. Um, and yeah, like, just like I said, you know, there's this really popular guy on uh, Instagram, um, Joe's Thetics. Um, and I, I actually know him in, in real life. Um, you guys probably know him cause he's one of the most popular, like, uh, like physiques or like classic bodybuilding type, like models on Instagram. And, um, so anyways, he's got one of these hernias right now too. If you, if you, uh, if you look at his thing on Instagram, he's dealing with this. Um, so yeah, he, I, I recommended him <laughs> my, my surgeon in Thailand, you know, um, uh, he did a pretty good job. I got him. I, you know, I got mine fixed. I got mine fixed with a military surgeon in, in the countryside in Thailand. Um, they have him working on all the military guys over there. So I thought it would be a good idea to go see him. And, um, anyways, yeah. So, you know, after the heavy lifting combined with taking the growth hormone expanded, you know, that hole in my stomach, uh, where, you know, where there was a lot of pressure while I was lifting, you know, a lot of pressure in my, in my, inside my body. And it was putting a lot of pressure on the area. I'm getting IGF one, the area is extra sensitive, you know, to growing, you know, because of the nature of it, your, your belly button is a very sensitive area to growth hormone. It, if you inject the growth hormone in the belly fat around your, uh, your belly button, it absorbs better than if you, uh, inject it into growth or into belly fat. Sorry, not belly fat. It, it absorbs better if you inject it into belly fat around the, the belly button than if you inject it other places on your body, like other, other parts of fat on your body, okay? So the, the belly button and the growth hormone have a synergy. Um, and, and like I said, not everybody gets this thing where your belly button hole grows and then you, know, you get a hernia there, but it's pretty common. I mean, you see this among bodybuilders. And it's like almost everybody that has these, uh, it, you know, it's either it's either they're black because black people are ge- pre- genetically predisposed to this. A lot of them are born with umbilical hernias. Um, it's it's like a it's it's a phenotype that commonly appears in their genetics. Uh, so they a lot a lot of black guys that you see if they have this, it's probably not because of growth hormone. It's just it's just a genetic thing that they were born with. Um, but all the other races, um, if they have this and you know, they're a bodybuilder, they they probably are using growth hormone, um, because yeah, there's so much tension on that area when you're doing the heavy lifting, like the squats and the deadlifts, that area is sensitive. And then you got the high IGF one and you know, like there's a lot of pressure and it just starts, the hole starts getting a little bit bigger and, then your intestines start sticking out. So, yeah, the growth hormone belly button. You know, I got surgery on mine. Um, they closed the hole and they put a little, um, like, mesh. It's like I can feel it. I can, like, reach through my stomach. Like, you know, it, I can, like, press into my stomach area and, like, feel the mesh, like, implant in there. Because uh, they, you know, they they get the hole where your belly button was having the problem or whatever you know the muscle the rip the tear that's what a hernia is it's a tear in your stomach muscle and they they sew it back together right and so then it heals and then they reinforce it with this like mesh or like net of like uh surgical plastic material and so they create like a a wire frame over the area where the rip was to like reinforce it. So now I have that in my stomach. I can feel that right now if I like reach above my belly button, but Hey, I got no more freaking hernia anymore. You know, I got a flat belly button again, not this freaking thing sticking out like 
every time I freaking see that thing. That's why it was bothering me so much. And I was like, no, nah, I need to get surgery on this and get this freaking taken care of. For one, it was a hole in the structural integrity of my body. So I was like, what the fuck? I have a hole in my abdominal wall. And then for the next thing, it was that like my finger was always there because I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I don't like, you know, like pressing it in like all the time. And then for like a year afterwards, too, my finger was still there because it was a habit. <laughs> and you know what? I just don't like it. I don't like having holes in my body. So I needed to get surgery on that. thing. A big shout out to the guys that are doing the text message based bodybuilding coaching with me. It is fun talking with you guys every day. You guys know who you are. And every day, you know, I have like set times out of my day that I devote like um, probably like three to four hours actually each day um, responding to everybody's messages. And then at other times, like random times when I can, I respond to. Um, but it's fun because... The, a bunch of the guys that do the text message uh, bodybuilding consulting with me, it's month to month. And a lot of these guys, uh, they listen to the podcast and, uh, and we talk and I get to know them. Uh, and they're like listeners of the podcast. So I, I enjoy getting to know these guys that are listening to the podcast. And then I get to know more about their personalities, about their situations, what they're doing. And talk with them and um, then like you know we're in contact every day like so we definitely create a friendship because it's like they become basically like part of my social circle so that's been a really cool opportunity I have really enjoyed doing the text message bodybuilding coaching and consulting with you listeners from the steroids podcast okay this next question is about steroid esters and why some of them take a while to be able to start feeling them so even esters like enanthate they the most that they ever release in your blood the most of the steroid that they ever release in your blood happens 24 hours within the first 24 hours after the injection. And then every day after that, it's like a little bit less until about like five days after the injection. And then it starts dropping off like every day, quite a bit less until it's nothing after about three weeks, two or three weeks, depending on your metabolism of steroids. Um, so that's the way that like one shot of testosterone and anthate behaves in the body. And the, you know, the, the testosterone and most of the steroids, actually, they have to make changes. There's some steroids that don't need to do this, and they're a little bit quicker acting. But really, all steroids need to do it to some degree, actually. So I guess it would be better to say some steroids have other effects outside of this mechanism. And that is that they've got to make your, your cell start um, expressing, like, parts of its DNA more exaggerated than other parts so when the the steroid interacts with the membrane um there's a receptor on the membrane of the cell on all the cells in your body and it's the the androgen receptor the male hormone receptor okay so the steroid comes in and docks like a spaceship with you know it's flowing through the blood the bloodstream the steroid and then it sees the and open androgen receptor you know like on the muscle cell and um or, or on any cell of your body and and it docks with that like a spaceship docking out of the bloodstream and uh then it transmits a message to that androgen receptor which then transmits a message to the nucleus the dna of the muscle cell or whatever cell and you know that's how it tells the uh the cell to exert those masculine androgenic or anabolic muscle building effects so that process doesn't just happen a hundred percent within 24 hours even though the steroid peaked in your bloodstream 24 hours after injection like with a testinanthate injection 
that getting that whole process going where you know like those those kind of um cellular changes are happening you know a message is transmitted to the dna the nucleus of your cell and it makes the dna of your body act slightly differently to make it so that you can be more muscular and etc or you know more masculine more manly looking <laughs> um and and so it doesn't just happen when you start when you start a steroid cycle even if you do like you know diana ball which is you know that that peaks in your body you know 45 minutes after taking it 30 45 minutes after taking it and even if you go and do that and then the you you know you wait 24 hours you're still not going to have the maximum effects of the diana ball even though you know it's already been like peaked in your blood and it's your first day though okay so that's because you will get some effect from doing it like that because it has some effects outside of the androgen receptor right most steroids effects happen inside the androgen receptor and they have to do with changing the way that the dna is expressed in your body that's like the main scientifically known way that steroids um have like you know exert their actions if you talk to a scientist and you said you know how does steroids work he would say he would point to the androgen receptor and say this is this is how they function is by doing that and having the dna of the cell change um but there there are other ways though that the uh the steroids can work there's there's other receptors such as glu glucocorticoid receptors that have effects on um, cortisol in the body, which is the chemical that inhibits protein synthesis. Okay, so your body's always doing this fight between protein synthesis and uh, protein breakdown, and um, steroids can have some of those, especially certain steroids like trenbolone, for example. Steroids actually that have um, a lot of, have more body recomposition activity or ability usually have more activity with glucocorticoid receptors. Um, so that's definitely effect, an effect of them anyways, though, but that's why some of the effects of steroids can be felt, um, you know, immediately, but then, you know, like the full power of the steroids and it doesn't matter, you know, what steroid you take, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're taking trenbolone acetate, D-ball, testinanthate, um, trembolone and anthate, um, you know, you never feel the full effects after one day, even if the drug has peaked in your bloodstream, you never feel the full effects because it takes time for that androgen receptor DNA expression change to happen. Um, so that's the answer to why um, esters don't kick in quickly and how not that. Hmm, yeah, why esters don't kick in quickly i was reading the question and it said something about how milligrams are released over a period of a week and uh yeah i think we went over that yeah um and, and the reason why like the 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 orals or the quick acting injectables like test probe or trenace or something like that can kick in you know um fully within a week and you know most of the way within a few days is because you're loading you're like really loading up those milligrams that are available in your blood right away uh when you first when you first start the cycle because when you take the trenace or the test probe that whole dosage is in and out of your body in two to three days whereas with something like testinanthate it's not out of your body for two to three weeks so it's a lot more concentrated of a dosage in a short period of time and so that's kind of like giving that that uh process where it where it takes a little while for the steroid to kick in, that's like kickstarting it. You know, you're you're kickstarting that process and speeding it up by loading um, a greater number of milligrams into your body quickly. It takes a, uh, it makes it quicker. Um, some people do what's called steroid cycle front loading uh, to try and get this effect with longer acting injectables and. For some reason, it doesn't work as well as just using the shorter acting injectables. Uh, 
but some people will and, and I mean I've done it of, of course I did it on my first cycle I just didn't really think it worked that much better um, which is where you like double your dosage front loading which is where like you double your dosage the first week or two of your cycle in order to get it to like kick in quicker because then you're loading more of those uh, those milligrams from the steroids uh, right up in the front part of your cycle there so since you have more of those milligrams in your bloodstream it makes that process where the steroid cycle where you start feeling and it kicks in go quicker so like for example on my first steroid cycle um my first injection that i did ever was i had two i had two syringes filled with 600 milligrams of testosterone each and and i, I did one in my left hip and i did the other in my right hip and uh, my cycle w that I wanted to do was 600 milligrams of testosterone per week. But for that first injection, I injected 1,200 milligrams per week because I wanted to front load the cycle to get it to start quicker because I was like really anxious for results. Um, and it, it didn't really have the effect that, that I wanted to. It did get me like swelling up and having a lot of water retention really quickly, but it didn't get me... Um, having the effect of like increased muscularity and like hardness and performance that I wanted. So, um, you know, front loading that big dosage of testosterone for a first cycle like that, I would, I would say probably not necessary. And, um, I probably would have, I probably would have thought, you know, the same thing if I didn't do that. Uh, yeah, so that's front loading. So now we got over the ester thing. Let's get on to the next topic. Um, for human growth hormone to be most effective, is starting young a good way to retain youth, or does starting when you're older revert aging anyway? Um, yeah. So there's been there's there's speculation about this, and um, I think among the anti-aging community, it's generally accepted that starting growth hormone replacement therapy around age 30 and then continuing it up, um, you know, into your 50s, 60s, 70s, whatever, um, is the best way to do anti-aging. Like, that's the optimal way to do anti-aging with growth hormone, although it works at any age when you start taking it. Uh, but if somebody is trying to do anti-aging, you know, where they like look young for longer then using the growth hormone when they start to be about age 30, that's when the natural hormones start to come down in growth hormone quite a bit. Um, and that, that keeps, that keeps the, uh, some of the youth, the youth, it prevents the damage, some of the damage from happening to the, to the body, that aging the damage and breakdown that aging is. And so, yeah, metformin um, at 1 to 2,000 milligrams per day and human growth hormone at uh, 1 to 2 IUs per day is uh, that's that's like the standard anti-aging protocol for growth hormone use. Um, and they started at 30 years old, but it works if you started at any age. Um, and you know, somebody that starts it at an older age is going to see a much more dramatic effect than someone that takes it at 30 years old, because, you know, one of the main things that you notice with growth hormone within that first month is your skin tightens up. So your skin, you won't be able to like pull it away from your body as far. Like it's just more sucked in, uh, and I don't mean sucked in as in like it makes you look ripped sucked in because growth hormone actually it gives a little bit of water retention. So it doesn't like give you like a sucked in ripped look. Um, when I say sucked in, <clears throat> I mean, I mean that it's it's tight or, or it feels like a, there's a lot of you just you just can't be like a, pulling that away. It feels more dense or something like that. It's it feels more high quality. Okay. It feels high quality. Like, you know, your natural skin 
that you feel normally is like fake leather. And then you get on the growth hormone and it's like premium, <laughs> premium leather. <laughs> That's what it turns your skin into. And it's definitely noticed within the first month. And so me personally at 30 years old, I noticed this. Okay. Which is pretty crazy because I mean, if I notice this effect and it's prominent, um, imagine, imagine, you know, if you are 60 years old and you get this kind of skin tightening effect, there has been, uh, studies done on growth hormone and anti-aging and the effects of growth hormone usually reduce the aging in someone's skin by 10 to 20 years. And they've actually studied this and studied like the thickness of the skin and like the collagen production that happens inside the skin because collagen production is a major, major effect of growth hormone. Like if you want to stimulate collagen production in your skin, you take growth hormone, not those supplements that break down in your stomach and don't do anything. Growth hormone is a major collagen producer. So, uh, yep, that's that. Um uh, Next question, Yay Yay asks, can you go over this in your next podcast, please? I was watching one of Regan Grimes' videos of a 10,000-calorie cheat day with Juan Morel, that's an IFBB pro bodybuilder, and totally noticed this. He seemed distant and didn't talk much. I know that could be... Per, uh, I know that could be personally somewhat, but how do the drugs affect this? Thanks for the podcast. Um... Yeah, well, he's probably got a bunch of things going on. I, I mean, usually these bodybuilders are like really, really focused, you know. Um, bodybuilding is, and just like pro athletes, but especially bodybuilders, because it's an isolation sport uh, or isolation hobby or whatever. Uh, and then also, you know, you take a lot of steroids. You're, you're, if you're an IFBB pro, you're taking a lot of steroids, all right? Don't don't let anybody tell you that that's not the case. <laughs> like, just don't be, you know that that's pretty that's pretty gullible. I mean, I mean, look at that, look at that shit. And then you and then uh, you have these guys telling you they're not on a lot of steroids. They're just on a little bit. <laughs> what the heck? Yeah, right. Um. So yeah, like, so this guy seriously, you see these videos of him. And then you see him say, like, I don't take a lot of steroids. I just take a little bit of steroids. And you're looking at that and you're looking at that. You're going to be like, yeah, right, dude. Yeah, right. If you're in your right mind, if you're thinking, if you're thinking with your brain. Next question. Dave asks, what's up, Dan? Question for your next podcast. If I run four to five, 400 to 450 milligrams of testosterone for a year straight, will this do anything negative to my health? I have a lot of, I have a lot prescribed to me for testosterone replacement therapy, and I wanted to put on a little more size this year. Thanks. Uh, there's been testing for 20 week usage of testosterone at various dosages. So, uh, going down from, 150 milligrams per week, 300 milligrams per week, uh, up to 600 milligrams per week and doing that for 20 weeks. And then, you know, checking the, the blood work before and after with like healthy young men. And the results of those studies is that they didn't, the testosterone didn't cause after 20 weeks like that, it didn't cause any negative effects on, uh, like general blood work except for, um, the, the dosage of the testosterone increased the level of the, the blood cholesterol. So they noticed that there was an increase in cholesterol depending on high, how high the dosage uh, of testosterone was with the 600 milligrams being a higher cholesterol level than the 150 milligrams or the 300 milligrams. Um, and then the, also with that, they saw that the muscle mass uh, keeps going up in a dose-dependent relationship over those 20 weeks with, you know, the 150 milligrams guy growing more muscle, uh, or the 300 milligram guy 
growing more muscle than the 150 milligram guy and the 600 milligram guy growing mu more muscle than the 300 milligram guy. And, you know, guys, this actually keeps on going up indefinitely. Um, and uh, I really mean that when I say indefinitely. So there, there have been studies that uh, have been done by doctors uh, that so these these doctors they've done studies with their patients and there's also been some studies at universities that have been done you know back in the golden era and you know I don't talk about this super frequently but I mean this is this is findable this is findable on uh, online uh, if you you know if you are really searching for these studies but you know there were some studies that were done that used, you know, mega dosages of steroids in humans and, uh, like, see how they respond, like, at, like, what dosages. And they also did it in animals, too. And, um, you know, so I mentioned in the previous podcast that, you know, they did, I said, you guys are not going to believe this, you know, but they gave the, the dogs, like, 100,000 milligrams of, like, Anivar per week or something. Uh, well, they did dosages with humans at like one, one tenth of, of those, uh, of those dosages that they did to the dogs or the other animals. Um, they did some experiments on volunteers, golden era bodybuilders and, um, found, uh, you know, a linear response dosage dependent relationship in the dosage of steroids. So. Um, as the steroid dosage kept on increasing um, with pretty much any steroid that was uh, taken, because uh, they tested quite a few, uh, so did the muscle mass and the, uh, the muscle mass and the, and the, and the strength of the, of the user. So, and I mean, we all know that too. We all, everybody who's experienced with steroids knows that the more steroids you take, the bigger and stronger you get. And so that study just confirmed that, you know, up to a very, very high dosage. Uh, I mentioned, you know, up, up to around, you know, five to 10,000 milligrams per week of various steroids. And uh, the, you know, this study actually uh, says uh, it appears that the, the human, the human appears to respond similar, similarly to the, to the dog in its response to high dosages of anabolic steroids in that a dose dependent linear relationship between the dosage and muscle mass and strength is, uh, achieved. So, uh, you know, steroids taken more always makes you bigger and stronger. That's, uh, nothing new. That's nothing new. Um, and, you know, guys that take those large dosages like that, I'll tell you some of the side effects that they that they get is like a lot of more um, prostate growth and like heart enlargement stuff like that. Um, they're they're doing some damage to themselves, so don't think that that's some kind of free some kind of free ticket. Uh, people that are are that's definitely steroid abuse. And uh, so people that are doing that kind of thing, it's going to come back and bite you. Next question is from Ian, and he asks, I look forward to every podcast release. I have heard you say good things about Superdraw, but I think you and Vigorous Steve have both said recently you didn't finish your cycles with it. Um, I had some toxicity the last time that I used super draw. Um, but I was, you know what? I, I used it right after I used Dianabol and Turinabol for a month. So I used Dianabol and Turinabol for a month. And then I went right into super draw and I was using it super draw at like 30 to 50 milligrams per day. And I experienced some toxicity, and so then I had to cut it out, and that was why I did that. So when you experience toxicity, it's it's usually like tiredness, or you can see it like 
in your eyes or, you know, lethargy or something like that, or maybe like appetite. Um, and if you, once you discontinue the oral steroid, when that happens, you feel back to normal after like three to five days or so. Um, so I had some toxicity from the super draw. I'm not sure if Steve did too. Um, he's, he's pretty sensitive to toxicity from orals. He's, he's more sensitive than, than I am, um, from, from me being around him and, uh, talking with him, uh, you know, and us doing cycles and stuff over time and talking with each other. That's, that's the way I feel about how we, we compare with sensitivity to toxicity from orals. Um, I personally, I, I handle orals fairly well. Um, most people do their, their toxicity in the way that they would make you feel or that if you take a large dose of, of them, it would like kill you or something. That's very overrated. You could take a huge dosage of oral steroids and not die. Like it's not like, um, it's not like a, it's a hormone. So it's not like a poison or like something that gets you high and like forces the re release of like a lot of neurotransmitters or like makes you stop breathing or something like that. You know, it doesn't do those things. So, um, it's a hormone, a signaling molecule and, um, the toxicity of them, it's, it's overrated in like how dangerous it is. The, the real danger to using oral steroids long term is that your blood work is totally, it doesn't look good when you're on oral steroids. Okay. When you're off oral steroids, when you come off of them, it goes back to normal after about two or three weeks. But when you're on them, like if you go get your blood work done, you, you're going to have like multiple things, uh, such as like your cholesterol, your lipids, um, and maybe some inflammation markers, uh, you know, maybe your liver, uh, enzymes, uh, you know, they'll be out of range and it'll say like not normal, like on the blood test. Right. So you can see that. And if you think, um, Oh, you know, I've heard that steroids are safe and they don't have any side effects or something. <laughs> <laughs> Cause you know, people just want to, they want to believe what they want to believe. So I don't know, you know, but they might believe that. And then, you know, they'll go get their blood test when they're on oral steroids, like in the middle of their cycle. And they'll see that their blood work is, has all this stuff that's like out of normal range and it'll freak them out. So if you have blood work like that for extended periods of time and you know, that adds up over years, where it's like, oh, you know, for half the year, this guy has bad blood work. Um, that's gonna that's gonna have an effect on you. That's gonna add up over time. And you talk about cardiovascular um, uh, events uh, that that you know to kill bodybuilders, like a heart attack or a stroke. Well, you know, you you think about this when you hear that because you think about, oh, okay, you know, like, you know, like having a bad cholesterol, having a bad blood lipid. Um, and you have these uh, bad blood test levels all over the place. Start getting some plaque, some inflammation buildup in your veins and arteries. And uh, you do that more and more, long time. And then you get problems build up, okay? So the... The danger of oral steroids is not an acute danger. It's not an acute danger as in you take them and you automatically like go into liver failure or something because you took too many and it's a poison. Not really. That that's I'm I'm not going to say that that's impossible because I think that there is a couple case studies like in the uh that that have happened. There's a couple of medical medically do documented case studies that have happened, but it's like always on someone that had a pre-existing pre condition. It's never on somebody that was just normal. It's always somebody that had some kind of pre-existing liver thing. And then like, you know, maybe they take like, you know, a hundred milligrams of Winstrol injections per day for like three days or something. And then they like go into liver failure. Uh, I, there, there's some kind of case study about that, but for like normal people, 
that that's totally abnormal like that like no not at all um so you know for example like i it wouldn't if you asked me to take 500 milligrams of diana ball in front of you and be like and like put your money where your mouth is i would do it like i would do it just like for fun like or maybe like for like attention <laughs> like i would probably even take a thousand milligrams i would probably even take a thousand milligrams you know what like just to like for to shock people or something like that uh, i would not be i would yeah if i had some kind of incentive or if some like hot you know really hot chick that i thought was really attractive was gonna think i was so cool after I took that thousand milligrams of Diana ball, then you know what? I would probably just take that fucking five, that thousand milligrams of Diana ball. It's not going to kill me. Probably make me have diarrhea or something. It'll probably make me have diarrhea. I don't want to take a thousand milligrams of Diana ball or 500 milligrams of Diana ball. Cause it's going to make me have like crazy water retention, high blood pressure. Jeez. My blood pressure is going to be insane. And uh, a lot of water retention, and we pop in letrozole, and I'm gonna be like, you know, if I took a thousand milligrams in one hit like that, you know, I'd wake up the next morning with this blown up freaking moon face, basketball face, um, and high blood pressure, and I don't want that, so that's why that's not something that I do on a daily basis, but uh, or that I have ever done, but I have taken up to like. I've taken like 350 milligrams of Anadrol in one day and I've taken like 150 milligrams of Dianabol in one hit. Like I'm a, I'm an experimenter guys. I'm an experimenter. I, you know, I, I really, I like to learn about things and really understand them, be able to put them into my own words, learn about the concepts. And then I like to personally experience um the the effects and so that that's why i've done you know a lot of this you know i have i have a, a lot of experience with this stuff because i have you know friends and acquaintances and then people that i've worked with um and contacts that you know i could that i know in real life that have used them and so i can have that knowledge database and then i have my database from uh in my head that um i know from from studying for 13 years and then also I have my own personal experience um, combined with that where I have personally used these things um, and so that's what I mean by I'm an experimenter that's the kind of that's the kind of guy I am and I, I like to personally experience things when I experiment with them I don't just like to like learn about things I need to be in there hands-on so uh, Superdraw is good, and if you're thinking about Superdraw, uh, actually, the next question is also a Superdraw podcast. Okay, so let's move on to the next question, okay? Question for the podcast. Could you elaborate your current thoughts on Superdraw? Looking for nutrient partitioning effects, but at the moment, can't afford growth hormone or primobolin and want to avoid trenbolone due to my high prolactin sensitivity. I also want the aggression power in the gym. I'm currently on 600 milligrams testosterone and 450 milligrams equipoise, looking for that perfect third piece to my stack. Wasn't a huge fan of Winstrol due to pain and cramping. Yes, uh, Winstrol gives insane pumps, and so you'll feel like cramping and stuff like that, like in your in your feet. You know, you can get a cramp in your feet, you know, when you're walking. <laughs> uh, or DECA for my prolactin sensitivity. Yeah, yeah. This guy doesn't. He, he doesn't like 19 nors, so no prolactin or trembolone for him. But he wants something. You know, I can tell that. You know, he's saying that he can't. That right now, growth hormone and primo too pricey for him. Um, and uh, you know, he doesn't want to do any 19 nors, so no DECA and trend. But he wants something that's really going to uh, be a really strong. Uh, substance that he's going to be able to nutrient partition and just, you know, eat his diet and have good things happen. Kind of put, if you want really good nutrient partitioning effects, I mean, that helps you be able to put, to be honest, that helps you be able to put the diet more on cruise control. So, 
if you want it, if you're looking for that, yeah, absolutely. Super Droll is the the best substance that you can use for that after Trenbolone. It's better than it's Super Droll is better than growth hormone. I'd say body recomposition. I'd say Trenbolone is the best body recomposition drug that exists, followed by Super Droll, followed by growth hormone. In that order, um, Super Droll really changes the way that your body handles food. It's crazy. You like Super Droll is a steroid that causes people's bodies to change like a lot in three weeks. Okay. The difference between what someone looks like when they start Super Droll and 20 days later it, and, and what they can do too, like what they can do in the gym. Um, it's, it's unlike, it's unlike anything else. It's unlike anything else, the speed that it can do that at. And, and I really mean that it's even unlike trend trend can't it, the speed at which trend can change you. Super draw can do it a little bit faster. Um, not, not a lot faster, but a, but a little bit. Uh, so when you get on the super draw, you immediately start getting stronger within days, within days and your muscle fibers feel different too. Um, and it also, it gives a really good mental confidence. And so you're confident in your strength in the gym on super draw, similar to the way that Tremblone does that too. confident in your strength. Um, and the, the way that your muscles feel, the fibers, they feel much stronger and like um, they can, they, they are built to handle heavier loads. Uh, so when, when you, you know, something that may, may have made you feel a little bit nervous before uh, because of the way that it made your muscles feel a certain weight on a certain exercise or something, um, you will not be feeling that anymore. It will feel like my muscles can definitely handle this they're built to handle this now uh, you know the next time they use it when you're on super draw um, and then the other thing is that so you're going to be gaining the strength you're going to be gaining a cosmetic effect which is a really extreme cosmetic effect of pumped and uh, it adds no water retention at all it's like trend actually and the, the fact that it makes you look more ripped than you actually are um, so and it really loads up the shoulders and traps with an insane pump, pumped up look. And um, so you're going to be stronger on this shit than any other substance, basically, on planet Earth. It's more than trend, more strength than trend. And uh, you're also going to find yourself gaining weight, gaining muscle, and you're going to find yourself, like, lightly losing fat at the same time. Um, it's pretty nuts. It's pretty nuts. Because you'll, you'll be the main thing that you'll notice on Super Troll is, damn, I am getting like really like I'm turning into the Hulk, right? Uh, with your muscles. And then you're going to be like, whoa, I'm actually getting a little bit leaner too. And you're going to notice it like, yeah, I really am actually getting a little bit leaner while you're noticing like, damn, I'm turning into the freaking Hulk. <laughs> so that's on that's on the dosage that I'm talking about right now that delivers those effects is 20 to 30 milligrams of super draw per day um and up to 50 milligrams of super draw per day but i don't really like that i you know okay 50 milligrams of super draw per day is more effective than 30 milligrams per day and it does pump you up more so there have been times uh, yeah you you know like if you want to look insane on a certain you know or look your best on a certain day you would maybe i would okay maybe what i would do would be i would take 50 milligrams of super draw uh the two the two days before i wanted to be the biggest and fullest that i could be and that would make a significant difference in what i looked like actually um, doing that for a couple days, uh, taking 50 milligrams of a super draw. So I'm just, I'm trying to explain the difference between 30 milligrams to 50 milligrams, but 20 to 30 milligrams of super draw per day is the sweet spot where, uh, the toxicity is pretty much like, it's not really, 
for me, it's not really an issue to deal with. I actually feel great using those dosages of super of super draw. I don't feel bad or like out of energy or sluggish or anything. I feel, I feel great. So at 20 to 30 milligrams per day, um, and, and, and those dosages work too, and they work really good. Um, but the fit, the 50 milligrams is definitely stronger. Uh, but it's definitely more toxic and I do get toxic when I take 50 milligrams. If I keep on doing that for, um, you know, over a couple weeks, I, then I will get toxicity symptoms. So Superdrol is more, more, uh, toxic than, than the other orals. You know, it was made, it was made by the same company that researched, uh, Anadrol and, and Winstrol and brought it to the market. Um, but you know, it, when they were researching the different steroids, um, you know, they're researching, they were like coming up, inventing new chemicals. So one of the chemicals that they invented was Superdraw. You know, another one was Winstraw, another one was Anadraw. And Superdraw was, it worked really well for what they wanted it to do, you know, preventing muscle wasting. Um, but it also had the, the high toxicity that the other ones like Winstraw and Anadraw like did not have as much. So since they wanted it to be like the most safe medicine possible, that's why they selected Anadrol and Winstrol to bring to market. The company was Syntex uh, to bring to market and to uh, sell as medicine. And then they, you know, they didn't sell Superdrol. So then how Superdrol became a supplement was that somebody was looking in these medical studies in the early 2000s of the research of the different steroids. And since they, they saw that Superdraw, a really strong oral steroid, was, uh, was in there and, and, you know, what the chemical was, how it was formed. Since it was uh, an oral steroid, um, they ordered it. They had China make it. They ordered the powder over... Um, the raw steroid powder and you know the only steroids that are like illegal in America or whatever are the steroids that have you know they can actually be named and like they're listed by chemical right so this one you know it had never been brought to market as a medicine you know the superdraw chemical so it wasn't like listed on the anabolic steroid control act in America so then they like had this you know super steroid uh, that has like <laughs> extra toxicity than like the normal steroids that are illegal, like shipped over here. And they started, you know, selling it as dietary supplement. And, you know, there, there were some, some people who had, you know, some side effects or some problems from using it, you know, from abusing it. Uh, but for the most part, you know, if something was brought over here and, you know, used by a di as a dietary supplement sold in the U S you know, and had like kids using it and stuff, um, you know, did it kill anyone? No, no one ever died from super draw. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's what I think about super draw and toxicity. Um, th those are my thoughts. And then you can come to your conclusions on them. For the guys looking to get on the phone and have a conversation with me, I do the one hour phone call consultations for $59, paid over PayPal or credit card processor, same processor I use for the ebook Ultimate Guide to Roids. I have a good time talking with you guys on the phone. You guys that uh, enjoy the steroids podcast, watch the steroids podcast, and then um, got more questions, want to talk to me. Uh, I enjoy, I enjoy every conversation that I have with you guys because uh, it's, I like to know who's listening to the podcast. So I've Definitely really been enjoying um, doing the one-hour phone call consultations with you guys. So hit me up at steroidspodcast at gmail.com if you'd like to schedule one of those with me. If you would like your questions to be answered on the Steroids Podcast, go to steroidspodcast.com and leave a comment with your questions or email or private message steroidspodcast at gmail.com or steroidspodcast on instagram until next time